ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. We can tuck that little one away in the change room and know that we got that done. Yeah, a little bit bittersweet and it feels a little bit dirty in a way, but in saying that, yeah, look, we, we got the, the result we are after, so yippee. The deadpan yippee tells a story there. That is Australian women's captain Alyssa Healy summing up how it feels to lose the game, lose two series, but retain the ashes. Is this the start of the end of the Aussie ladies' dominance? And is that, perversely, kind of a good thing? We're going to dig into that on a double Ashes special because the men's is also back and Pat Cummins' team has left much to discuss. It's the mashes, it's the washes, it's the dashes. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. You'll hear from two voices today as we pick through the men's and women's Ashes. First up, it's ex-Test cricketer Trent Copeland to talk the fourth instalment of the men's Ashes. The Australians have brought in Hazelwood for Boland. They have dropped Todd Murphy. They've selected Cam Green. They've kept David Warner and Mitch Marsh. Trent, what does this 11 say to you about how Australia are approaching this fixture? Well, firstly, I've actually quite enjoyed the terms mashes and washes over the last couple of weeks, and haven't they both been amazing series? What this tells me is a couple of things. The trust levels may be in Todd Murphy, and let me be clear, not at all about skill set. Me personally, I believe he is the heir apparent to Nathan Lyon and very well set up to succeed long-term in Test cricket. Murphy's surely going to go wide off stump again here. Bowls to Stokes. He does, and Stokes hammers it in the air. He could well be caught at long on. He should be. The catch is taken. Stokes is out. Todd Murphy gets his first Ashes wicket. But when they look at this pitch, do they think it's genuinely going to offer any turn? Because they can have another bowling option, but also a much longer batting lineup by going all-rounders. I mean, we, have, we haven't gone into a test match for 117 matches without a front-line spinner. So this is not a insignificant decision. This is you know, trying to piece together how do we make sure we win this test match. I guess much like in 2019 where Josh Hazelwood takes that famous LBW. Ah! Oh, big shot, big shot. What's he think? It's reviewed and, and then successful, those celebrations. Impact in line, wickets hitting. They want to bring that back. Mark Wood is the other reason why I think they're going with this lineup, Australia. I could not be more impressed. I just, he's up there with one of my favourite bowlers in world cricket to watch. He gets quality, elite test match players jumping around and then he knocks over the tail. Cummins waits for Wood. In he goes, bowls to him, full hit on the pad. Takes the eighth wicket. Australia's captain bags a duck. Scores runs with the bat as well. Dispatching it. Top end for Fitz. He's got a good piece of that over backwards square and into the crowd. Way into the crowd. My word, what I would give to be able to bowl 150 k's an hour. <laughs> Even just for one over, that would have been good fun. The downside, I suppose, is you don't have the bowling variety of having the spinner. The upside is you get that extra batting security. Does that speak to you about a lineup that is compensating for the fact that they're carrying David Warner at the top, who has been somewhat flaky? Warner's there. Edges and he's caught it. Second slip. He's got him again. In a series where runs and an ability to have that insurance against an England side that can score so quickly, it's such a premium. Yes and no. I actually think it's more of a tip to the performance that David Warner put up, not 
the last test match, but the one before that, he was arguably one of the most important players in the game. And the half century for Warner. So, you know, it was something like 66 runs and 30-odd runs in that match and contributed heavily towards Australia playing well in that game. I think it's more to do with that. And I think it might be one of those situations where you say to Dave, you know what? Play with absolute freedom when you go out there against Stuart Broad. We might even see him walk at him, try and slog him. I, I think that might be the approach. And then how do you not look past Mitch Marsh in this scenario? That is another Ashes 100 for Mitch Marsh. He saved his best for England, and that has been a brilliant effort this afternoon. There's a lack of variety, but I think you can probably rely on Travis Head in different circumstances. Yeah, really confident. I think he defends himself well, uses a bit of drift, you know, as much as spin and he's played a lot. He's quite clever, so... Yeah, lots of confidence in his bowling. What it gives us in the pace and bounce-friendly Old Trafford is several different options with the ball, along with Josh Hazelwood coming back in. It's Manchester. You know there's going to be rain. There's plenty of rain forecast for this test. We know England's frenetic with the way they play. Is that only going to ramp up with these conditions, given we're probably going to see less play than we would like over the five days? Yes, I think it will. Might bring... I don't know, more out of us again, knowing that we might have to push the game on even more um, than we normally do. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. And if the weather is what it's like and what it's predicted to be, then we might have to. Even more attacking? Again, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. And Basball, over the last little while, has been notorious for looking at forecasts, setting what would normally be described as outrageous declarations to make sure that there's an opportunity for A, themselves to win, but B, both teams to put on a a show and an entertaining fixture. In this regard, I absolutely think we'll see them play aggressively as they have been, but also with a bit of an eye on some rain-interrupted stuff. Can't wait for this fixture. We are beautifully set up. Trent Copeland, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Easy, mate. Thanks for having me. While the men are trying to retain the Ashes, the women, they have done so in their multi-format series, only not in the manner they might have hoped. Britt Carter is one half of Britain Beamsy, the women's cricket podcast. Britt, Australia retains the urn, but Alyssa Healy says she feels dirty. Why does this feel like a bad outcome from an Australian point of view? Well, if you think about it, we currently hold the women's one day World Cup trophy as well as the women's T20 World Cup trophy but in both of these formats we fell down in the women's Ashes series. The one day format probably hurt us a little bit because I think we're still a really strong side and a really strong outfit and yeah to play the way we did was was obviously disappointing. England won more white ball matches and that's how they were able to get back into the contest and I think while we can be really positive about the way that the Australian women played the test and finally got a win and a result in a test match for the first time in eight years. Seen a lot, done a lot, um, been a part of a lot, but that was a really cool moment. And, and yes, retaining the Ashes was, was really special, but to get a win in a test match away from home was, was pretty special. When we think about the white ball format and how dominant Australia has been, I mean, they hadn't dropped a bilateral one-day international series for 10 years, and they've done that in this one if you break them up into their little parts. So I think that's why perhaps... Elisa is saying, I feel a little bit dirty, especially going out on that note. Sit here slightly like excited and then slightly disappointed at the same time, but um, nonetheless, I think it's been really cool to be a part of. If that had been the last game and Australia had won that game, I think it would have felt a little bit different. But yeah, it's never nice to lose a game and then lift a trophy. It just doesn't feel the same. And it begs the question, I suppose, of what is missing from an Australian point of view. Is it personnel? Is it leadership? Why were they, by their own admission below the level that they're accustomed to. 
Well, we've had two big omissions from this team coming into this Ashes series. Of course, Meg Lanning wasn't medically cleared to participate, so we saw a change in captaincy with Elisa Healy taking over. You know, her batting prowess is something that's been really brilliant for Australia particularly in English conditions in previous series. So she was a huge loss. Comes Eccleston again around the wicket into the offside of Lanning, who plays it away beautifully. It could run down the hill for four, it does. As well as the retirement of Rachel Haynes, I mean, an opener, <laughs> so much experience. She's actually been the vice-captain and, and led an Australian team in an Ashes series back in 2017 when Meg was absent there. So losing those two and the experience they have, I think, obviously has had a pretty big impact on the team. The other thing, though, is there's been a change in coach, there's been a change in tactics, and they've mixed up the order a little bit to accommodate some of the Australian youngsters coming through. And I think this has come off in some games, but it hasn't come off in others. And under Matthew Mott, Australia were a very steady, reliable lineup. It was the same players coming out in the same positions almost every single game. So to mix that up, I think, is just showing now that perhaps moving away from that a little bit means that we are going to get a mixed bag of results because we're not going with the same tried and tested way. But the other thing they've let themselves down on, for instance, was the extras with the ball. They were really, really loose. Uh, Darcy Brown has been a little wayward in this over so far. Yeah, She hasn't been quite at her best in, in this whole series. 117 extras all up across the seven games and all the different formats. So that was definitely an area that Australia let themselves down into. Sophia Dunkley's bat, who drives first up. Oh, fumble in the covers, and the ball's going to race out towards that boundary at deep covering, and could get four here. First ball of the over does go to the boundary. There is an errant bit of work from Phoebe Litchfield, who will try to avoid the gaze of Elisa <laughs> Healy now, because that should have been stopped. It's easy to be greedy as an Australian women's cricket fan. Like, we're used to absolutely dominating, but are we just witnessing an inevitable decline like we had to come back to the field at some point or is this about other nations closing the gap and is that maybe a good thing for world cricket I think it is about closing the gap and I think it is a good thing for world cricket maybe not Australian fans or the Australian team but certainly you know we've seen the rise of a Sophie Eccleston over the past couple of years that's of a Brunt's coming into bowl. It's full chipped up in the air. And what a catch! Sophie Eccleston. You're welcome. She can't <laughs> believe that one. <laughs> Timed her jump to perfection. She's been here playing women's big bash and has really plied her trade and been able to grow that. We've also seen franchise cricket grow on an international scale. We've got the women's Premier League happening now in India. There's the 100. You know, the opportunities to play franchise cricket now are huge for women. There's so many different choices they can make. And every time they play in one of those tournaments, they get to play against Aussies. And so I think, you know, in some ways that's helping to develop other nations, which is fantastic. You look at uh, results around the world at the moment. I mean, Sri Lanka's beating New Zealand, Bangladesh is beating India. So there's so much exciting things happening in the women's game that we, we can all be celebrating. It is decreasing that gap that potentially Australia had over other teams. And the other thing I think we can question is why some of England's youngsters that came in and debuted throughout this Ashes series were able to perform better than our Australian youngsters. So we had Lauren Filer, Lauren Bell, two great uh, paces with the ball and they really excelled. And it's a catch. Healy. Healy is gone. Lauren Bell, another wicket. And it's the captain, Elisa Healy, caught at gully. The extra bounce. What a dismissal. She's got two now, Lauren Bell. 
as well as a Danny Gibson who came in with no fear whatsoever and was able to win one of the T20 games with a four on the last ball. Gibson looks for the reverse. It's through. She's got one. She'll come back for two. She doesn't need to. It's the boundary. It's a series win for England at the home of cricket. I think the thing is we're seeing these England youngsters come into the team and they're fearless. They're not afraid of the aura that Australia has had in the past because they've never played them before. I think we're seeing other parts of the world start to catch up now and Australia are really going to have to be clever about how they keep themselves in front. The series was nothing if not enthralling. Brittany Carter, thanks for taking us across all the action. Thank you. Headlines. The fallout from Daniel Andrews' decision to cancel the 2026 Commonwealth Games rolls on. While athletes and sporting bodies fume, Scotland has emerged as a surprise potential solution with the nation's first minister saying being part of hosting or even joint hosting the event was a sensible idea worth exploring. If you want to understand how all of this went down, listen to our conversation with Tracy Holmes and Peter Beattie from yesterday's podcast. Beattie, in particular, has some rare perspective given, A, he was also a state premier, so he gets that side of things, and he also ran the 2018 Commonwealth Games. So, yeah, bit of context. Tottenham is now in its Ange Postacoglu era after that got underway officially overnight in, checks notes, Perth. Nothing says North London, quite like the big state. And even though Spurs lost 3-2 to West Ham in a pre-season exhibition game, don't get it twisted. The Australian manager is not worried about the score. It's about the style for him. Is it Ange ball? Well, they dominated possession. They had 30 shots to four. So it's looking pretty good, all things considered. Did Ange feel the love from his fellow Australians in the crowd? I'm not that kind of guy, mate. He kind of sits there feeling... um I'm, I'm, I'm kind of focused on the job at hand. Look, I, we've had unbelievable support here. Um, it's been great to be back home, for sure, 100%. There are further games in Thailand and Singapore before the London club heads to Europe for more fixtures before the start of the Premier League season. And Alistair Clarkson will resume full senior coaching duties with North Melbourne ahead of the Round 21 clash with the Demons. He's been absent from the Kangaroos for a month as he dealt with the stress of the Hawthorne racism investigation, but he'll be back on deck after Round 20. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Today is episode 250 of this podcast. We are cranking them out. And it's time to pressure you for a rating and a review. We've had literally millions of listens. So how is it we only have 74 ratings on Apple Podcasts? I feel like someone out there is letting us down. It ain't right. Do the rating thing, please, and ensure it's five stars. Thanks to Channel 9 and Sky Sports for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.